grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we are faced uh, today in the gospel lesson with a champion. Champion of sin and death. The devil. Overthrew in the garden our father, Adam. And the mother of all living. By merely tempting them to disobey the word of the Lord, he became victorious in the first battle. And he put them down. Then entered in sin and death. And he championed these things. He was victorious because he did not receive any retaliation from Adam, who was supposed to do that. Retaliate against a word which was foreign from that which he had received from God. For God spoke to him and said, I commanded you. Did you go against what I commanded you not to eat? And what did he say? He had to admit that he did. Even if it was a blaming on his wife, he admitted that he fell. They all fell. Now this battle that we face in our Christian life, we know is nothing new to humanity. We are constantly in battle against sin and death. It reminded me, as I was studying this week, of that battle, which you may all remember. A young boy named David went out to battle a giant. His name was Goliath. He went out on the field of battle, but why? Why did he go? There was a whole army there. Remember, Saul's army was gathered. David's brothers were there, and he had brought them food. And he could not understand why none of them had gone out to face the champion, Goliath. He was appalled by what he heard Goliath spewing. All these terrible things against the God of Israel. It was as if the Israelites didn't believe in their God. But David, David did. And remember, he went down by the river, by the brook, and he gathered for himself five smooth stones. And he went back on the field of battle to face Goliath, and he was mocked. And yet his faith was not in his own strength, not in his skill, but in the Lord and his word. And so he loaded up that stone, he swung around his sling, and he let it fly. And that stone landed dead center in Goliath's forehead and sunk in so that the Goliath fell to the ground. And that's where most children's books end it, but that's not the end. Thankfully, if you pick up a book from CPH, though it's not this, this is not a plug for them, but... They do finish the story. David goes over to Goliath and he draws Goliath's sword and he chops off Goliath's head. 
No longer would there ever be a word which would come from the mouth of that man, that champion against the Lord. Look at our text for today. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. He went from the brook, from the Jordan River, from being baptized in the water, and he went out into the wilderness to battle. He fasted for 40 days. At the end of those 40 days, he was hungry. And then comes the champion, the champion of sin and death, the devil, the tempter. At this point, it looks as though Jesus is quite weak, weak like David. Nothing much to offer, and that's where the devil tries to take advantage. He says to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. And this is the first of the three temptations. And as if the devil is saying to Jesus, You are the Son of God. The Son of God is not meant to suffer. Why should you why should you do this? If you are the Son of God, you should not have to have pain or agony, illnesses, nothing. If you are hungry, feed yourself. Don't bear the suffering. And this is the temptation of mistrust. It's one that afflicts all Christians. The tempter comes even to us. Right, you are the baptized children of God, yes? You are of the body of Christ, are you not? If the devil sought to tempt Christ, will he not seek to tempt you as well? Or are you above Christ? You're not. These temptations which Jesus puts before us today in the gospel lessons from the devil are the temptations which we face. What are we to say at the news of a Martin stroke? Should he be made to suffer because he is a Christian? In illness, in poverty, in hardship, are we no longer the recipients of God's love? Is it true that Christians should not suffer? Should we not have hardships? Should we not have persecution? Should we think that God loves us less because we are in the hospital? And we don't have the finances. We don't have those things which other people have. Well, St. Paul, along with Jesus, has words for you. What did St. Paul say in 2 Corinthians chapter 6? He says, we put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great afflictions, by endurance, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger. We are called impostors. We suffer persecution, dishonor. 
But in all of these things, we are known. Maybe not by the world, but by God. You heard that last week. We are fully known by God. Doesn't matter what the devil might try to tempt us into trusting. If it is not God, we have no business trusting in it. We trust in the word of God, and that is Jesus' response. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. We are embattled from the beginning to the very end of our life, as we will see just as Christ is. But Christ goes about the devil in strength, not in his body, but in the word which comes from the mouth of God. That is our strength. If we are going to be battling the devil, we cannot do it on our own strength. We must have the strength of God which comes from his holy word. Because it just persists. Look at what happens. The devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Look how Christ allows the devil to lead him to all these places. Just as he would be led to the cross. Jesus knew that this first battle with the devil here would be one that would be led all the way to the cross. And this second temptation is really one of reputation. Who do you say that I am? If he throws himself down from the temple in the midst of all the people, he will be known as a great God. I mean, who else would have the angels come to his side? But that was not the will of God for Christ. That was not the Father's will. It would be that the Son of Man should go to the cross and suffer. And by the five wounds of Christ, the two in his hands, the two in his feet, and the one in his side, just as those five stones were as David had grabbed them, it would be the victory over the devil. He would drive the wooden cross into the head of Satan. As it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. We must be all right in this world, resting and at ease or at peace, knowing that the world will not view us as very good people all the time. They will not say that we are speaking the truth, but that we're trying to oppress people when we bring forth the word of God and what he says about life, about marriage, about preaching, about the need to be in the fellowship of Christ. We'll be called imposters. We'll be spoken of in many dishonorable terms. We will be known as punished, sorrowful, poor, as having nothing. 
But in all reality, it does not matter what we have in this life outside of faith in Christ. For there are far greater things which we possess in Christ, as we will see. Because the last temptation is apostasy. The last temptation that Christ faces here is giving it all, all up. All of our faith in God, giving it away. And he said to him again, when he brought him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory, all these I will give to you if you fall down and worship me. Notice, God's creation is beautiful. All the worlds and the kingdoms which the Lord was looking upon that day were beautiful. It's not hard to make the things in this life seem even a far greater glory than simple water in a font or mere bread and wine on the altar, right? Just don't look that great. This book, this Bible, this hymnal doesn't look all that fancy. Even this church, it's nice. But look at the beautiful castles, the things around the world, far nicer. It's easy to turn the things of this world into that which is worshipped. And that is apostasy. Leaving faith in the triune God in pursuit of the glories and the kingdoms of this world. You will gain none of it. You will forfeit all of it in the end. To this, Jesus gives his strongest rebuke. Be gone, Satan. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. That's commandment number one shall have no other gods. Be gone, Satan. And then the devil left him. You know, all of these temptations were to doubt who he is, who he was, the Son of God. Does the devil not also bring us into that temptation? To doubt who we are by, that what, by what we have in this life, by our reputation, by seeing all that can be gained in our, what, 90 years of life on this earth? Maybe 100, 120? Are we really in pursuit of God's glory? The riches of the kingdom that is to come. But look at Christ's ministry on this earth. At the beginning of it, the devil tempts him, are you the Son of God? If you are the Son of God, then do these things. And what do we see on the cross? If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. Come down from there. You healed the many sick, so come down off the cross. The devil is always from the beginning to the end of our life, going to tempt us to turn away. That's why we need in our right hand and in our left hand 
the weapons of righteousness, to wield in them the word of God so that we may be defended against the attacks of the devil. But see what happens at the end of temptation. To the one who overcomes temptation, see what happens, just as what happened with Christ. The devil left him, and what happened? The angels came and were ministering to him. We cannot expect to have the protection of God when we do not walk in the ways of God. But when we walk in the ways of God, trusting in his word, firmly believing it, we can expect to have the angels fighting on our behalf and even greater things yet to come. I want to read to you from Revelation. John, multiple chapters, but hear these words. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in God's paradise. He who overcomes shall not suffer any harm from the second death. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the hidden manna, and I will give him the good attestation, written with the attestation of a new name, which no one knows except he who receives it. He who overcomes shall be clothed with white garments, and I will not erase his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He who overcomes, I will make into a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall never more leave. And I will inscribe on him the name of my God and the name of the new Jerusalem, the city of my God, which comes down from my God and bears my new name. He who overcomes, to him I will grant to sit with me upon my throne just as I have overcome and have been sitting in my father, with my father upon his throne. He who overcomes shall inherit everything, and I shall be his God, and he shall be my son. When we have the victory of Christ, it is our victory. When we stand with Christ in battle, we are victorious. It is said that the victory of Christ is the victory of his servants. We are his servants. And so from the beginning of our life to the end of our life, from the new birth of baptism with the water and the word, the giving of the spirit of God, we shall fight. Fight against the flesh. Fight against the devil. Fight against the demons. Fight against the tempter's power. And through Christ, we will overcome. Through Christ, we will be given the crown of glory. Through Christ, we will become the heirs of everlasting life. And we will possess everything.